go through seasons of life, right? All you got to do is look at your neighbor and they're in a different season than you are. Everybody has seasons and uh, uh, it, it so happens that we're in America, we're in an election season. And, and I think it's important for we as born again believers to understand that the church is the only hope for America. Amen. We can talk about a lot of things and we can beat around the bush, but only Jesus is going to save America. And uh, we've invited different people that are candidates for uh, different things to come and let us pray over them. Today, uh, Morgan and Leslie Luttrell are here. Uh, Morgan is running for, for uh, don't tell me, <laughs> Congress. But what we'd like to do, I'd like to pray over this couple. I'm going to tell you something. We need godly people in office. And uh, I know that, that I'm not supposed to talk too much. I mean, you, you, you kind of wonder how free America really is if, if the preacher can't tell people who to vote for. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to pray for you. Maureen, if you and Leslie come up, uh, just uh, we're, we're, don't, we're honored that you're here today. And it's, a, it's a privilege to have you. And Leaders have the DNA that God put in them. And when God puts DNA in leaders, there's a trust factor that God puts on you and you and me and all of us. It's one thing for us to trust God because he's so trustworthy. It's another thing for God to trust us. And that's something that is the biggest challenge that we all have. And I just want to, Morgan, I'm telling you, put, in, put it in you. Be trustworthy. Not, not from what I want or not from what Montgomery County wants or not what the nation wants, from what God wants. Yeah. Let me challenge you with that. Let me pray for you. Y'all just lift your hands up toward this couple. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that breaks the yoke of bondage in our nation. Lord, I just pray today, oh God, that your will would be done in this election as you have planned it in heaven. We want nothing more than your plan and your purpose. Lord, uh, if, if, if Morgan is the man for this job, we want him. And if it's somebody else, we want somebody else. But I'm telling you, we trust you, Jesus. And we pray, oh God, that you would just give everybody, all of us voting people, the courage and the wisdom to trust you and to, to investigate all of our judges, all of, all of our, uh, everybody running for election, Lord, and just pray, Lord, that you bless them. I pray for Leslie, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for her heart and for her her love for you as well. And I just pray, oh God, that you would just bless this couple in the middle of campaigns that can get so ugly, I just pray, oh God, that you would just help help Morgan and Leslie to rise up above the ugliness and and bless them with with the truth of your word. And may they proclaim moral 
morality to our nation and to our county and, and just may they rise up as leaders and do that. I pray your blessings upon them and I pray for your word and your will to run through them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm proud of you. Everybody. Bless you, bless you, what a privilege. So in keeping with, uh, we have a, uh, this has been an interesting week for America. I read a while back that whenever our nation first began, that the preachers were always relevant with what was going on in the world. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. We're going to talk about religion and politics. We're going to. And if there's anybody here, like, if you're like, man, I just don't want politics to get in the church. Let me tell you something. That's been a lie from the pit of hell. It's about time the Christians stood up and said what God says about our nation. We have, a, we have a war going on. Uh, uh, Russia is bullying the Ukraine. And I pray that, that God would intervene there and help the Ukrainian people to rise up. They're tough people. I'm telling you, they're tough people. But uh, I don't know if you parents have ever... Like, uh, when your kid's messed up, if you're like, I'm going to spank you. <laughs> then they mess up again. You're like, I'm going to spank you. And then, I'm going to spank you. But you never spank them. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, you're going to sit in the corner. Or I'm going to put sanctions on you. God help the men in our world to be men. We don't need no more feminizing of men. And help the women to be the beautiful women that God designed them to be with the power that God designed them to have. I'm going to tell you something. We as the church, because we know God, we must reflect the image of God. So I want to talk to you about that this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, it's an interesting chapter because it talks about a guy named Eli who was the priest. And he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were um, his sons. But they, they were running the temple, but they were very ungodly people that was running the church. And in the middle of this, they become arrogant, and Hophni and Phinehas, you can read about it later, Hophni and Phinehas, get, they get killed in the war. And then, because... Uh, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God had been stolen by the Philistines. And uh, they went back to, and, and 
long story short, Hophni and Phinehas got killed. The Ark of the Covenant uh, got captured. And uh, the messenger came back to Eli, the daddy, the priest, which is like, he's like 90 years old. And, and I, I, you can't make this up. It, it said he was fat. And he was sitting on his chair, and when he got the news, he fell off his chair and broke his neck, and he died. <laughs> Don't you love the Bible because it doesn't beat around the bush? I mean, like, it, it fits real good if you're in cowboy church, but if you're in foo-foo church, you kind of got to get the other versions out. <laughs> so the, the, the daughter of one of the sons gives birth whenever she was pregnant she gave birth because there was it was the news was just horrendous and while and she died in labor but before she died she said name my baby Ichabod Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed What was it that led to this dark hour? How did it come to be that the presence of God departed from the land? And what can we in the church today learn from this sobering time in Israel's history? The tabernacle once stood in Shiloh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 4. It was the very location of Hannah who cried out to God in chapter 1. There's really a deep significance for what happened here. Hannah, in the middle of all the corruptness that was happening in the church, Hannah was praying for a son, and she said, God, if you just, if you just give me a son, I'll give him back to you, and I'll dedicate him to you. And that's part of where we get dedicating our babies to the Lord. When people come up here and we dedicate them to the Lord, we, we, we learn that from, from Hannah, but also from others in the Bible. But she said, I'll give my son to you, God. So she, God grants her, her request, and she gives birth to Samuel. Y'all remember him, right? Like first and second Samuel. That's who that come from. Samuel came from Hannah, and she brought this baby to the temple where there was extreme corruptness and a lack of conviction and was raised. And psychologists would tell you that, that, that you are a product of your environment. Samuel broke the mold. And I'm just saying today, I'm looking, and I think God's looking for somebody that'll break the mold in our world and in our nation because any dead fish can float on downstream with the current of this world. But it's going to take somebody like Samuel to go against the current of our world. And I think there's a few of them here this morning. So what happened? Oh, goodness. I brought a lamp and I left it in the pickup. Probably a sermon there. <laughs> I'm gonna go on. 
<laughs> I'm not going to go get it. <clears throat> so there's a couple of significant events unfolding in the days leading up to Israel's defeat and the loss of the ark. The first of which should serve as a sobering sober warning to the church today and the other is a message of hope how many knows that God always gives a message of hope when he gives a warning everybody say there's always hope as long as we're breathing as long as God is alive there's hope so the light in God's house began to dim the first thing was the the dimming of the lamp of God due to the disobedience and the compromise of the nation's leadership. It was the duty of the priest to to keep the lamp in the holy place filled with oil so that the flame would not burn out. It was a priest. It was a job. Specifically, it was the wickedness of the priests, Hophni and Phinehas, and the apathy of their father, Eli, who did nothing to correct his sons, which led to Ichabod and the glory of God departing from the nation. In our world today, the people who attend church is on a decline. Less than 50% of the people today value regular church attendance. It's the way America is. And if less than half of them go to church, how many of the ones that are actually in church are really giving their lives for the cause of Christ? It's a good question. The scripture tells us the Hophni and Phinehas had no regard for the Lord. They engaged in temple prostitution and took advantage of the worshipers who came to sacrifice at Shiloh. As a result, they neglected their priestly duties, one of which was to keep the lamp in the holy place filled with oil so so that the flame would not burn out. This obviously was an Old Testament under the law. However, the lamp and its oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the new in the New Testament and our responsibility not to let the fire of the Holy Spirit go out in our temple, which is the presence of God. God lives inside of us, and he's saying, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the oil which fills us up, that says, says on the, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance because they were, what? I can't hear you very good. Filled with the Spirit. What are you full of? So as this, as this tragedy was unfolding, however, there was another part of the story developing which serves as a message of hope. Despite the wickedness of the priests, God was still working his plan through Samuel. The barren woman, Hannah, cried out to God, pledging to dedicate his life to the Lord if her request was granted. And the Lord answered her cry. Samuel came to Shiloh as a young child to serve in the house of God. 
1 Samuel 3, 3 tells us that the lamp of God had not gone out when the Lord first called Samuel. I just want to say this. There's a lot of negative stuff going on in our world today, but I just want to say this. The light hadn't gone out. The lamp has not run out of oil because we bring hope to the nation as the people of God filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We rise up because we know that there's value in the light. He said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works, but glorify the Father. Not to glorify you, but to glorify the Father which is in heaven. Can you say amen to that? See, God was still working his, his plan out of, out of a humanly impossible situation. The Lord brought forth a generation of, of righteous prophets and priests and kings. Private disobedience is what I'd like to talk about. Private disobedience eventually brings about public powerlessness. Because the law of sowing and reaping is still in effect. Hophni and Phinehas engaged in private disobedience. They were profaning the holy things of God, neglecting their responsibility as stewards. What was entrusted with them, simple task, put some oil in the lamp. They're like, oh, but I don't understand. It's just, I don't, I don't understand. Well, get the oil. <laughs> but they had an agenda. They abused their priestly authority and took advantage of the people. It is likely these sons of Eli thought that they could continue in their sin with no repercussions. I just wanted to slow down there for a second. The what, in, was done, what began in secret may have not been known or spoken of in public. It was seen by God, sadly, the repercussions of their private sin impacted the whole nation. 1 Samuel 4, 1 through 3, the Israelites suffered defeat at the hands of the Philistines. Hophni and Phinehas decided to call for the Ark of the Covenant to go with them. <laughs> Isn't this something how we always run to God whenever we lose a battle? If we would run to God before the battle starts, and if we had a relationship with God, if I had a friend and the only time I came to that friend was when he could help me and I was always asking him for something, he would stop returning my phone calls. But if I developed a relationship with somebody along the way, and I needed help, or if they needed help, we're going to be there for each other. Yes. With God, honoring God is being there before the bad times show up. Because you know, if we, if we love him in the good times like we love him in the bad times, we won't have near as many bad times. Amen. So... Hophni and Phinehas, they didn't realize God's presence had already left them and that the ark would not bring the victory they sought. They looked at the ark or the presence of God kind of like a good luck charm 
It's funny how we place confidence in things. If God's presence isn't there, there won't be victory there. Wherever God is, that's where I want to go, don't you? So sadly, they were defeated again, and the ark was captured, and Hophni and Phinehas died on that, in the battle that day. Like Israel, many in the church and in government are just going through the motions, relying on traditions and practicing, practicing institutionalized Christianity. It's getting quiet in here. Seeking a hero or a man to applaud rather than creating an atmosphere for God's presence so that the glory would go to God. The reason the glory had departed because there was no glory coming out from the people. The flame began to flicker. Samuel valued God's word. Hophni and Phinehas valued what they could get from their place of influence. If, if you have influence today, which we all do. Yeah, I say we all have some place of influence. Yeah, yeah. We all have influence. When we have influence, if we use that influence that has been given to us from God for his purpose, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you. So we reflect the glory of God. When, when people give us glory, we reflect it back to God because we know we, nobody like me <laughs> if it wasn't for Jesus. You know, he's a scumbag. <laughs> Believe me. Many, institution, many institutions and churches, God's presence, is no long, God's presence is no longer there. And like the temple in Shiloh, the glory of God has departed Ichabod. Sadly to say is the word of the day in many places today. We've been fooled into thinking our private sin goes unnoticed, but what we do in private always has a public corporate effect. The enemy continues to win battles and take ground in our nation largely while the church goes about our business as usual. We blame the losses, we blame our losses on the government, the politicians, and those who disagree with us, while little understanding of the role we've played in our own defeat. You see, the key to victory is not the ark nor our Christian institutions, but it's in a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, obedience, love, and faithfulness to God. And to his word, rekindling the fire of the Holy Spirit. Disobedience causes the lamp to go out and the presence of God to depart. Without the, his presence, there can't be any victory. Without his presence, there can't be any victory in the Ukraine. There can't be any victory in America. The ungodly people win when godly people forsake their God. We're all worried about Iran and Iraq and, and uh, Russia, China, North Korea. Let me tell you something. When God blesses a nation, God blesses a nation. And he's going to take care of a nation. Those who bless God, God will bless. And America must get back to blessing God. 
That's why we got to vote. That's why we got to vote. Because we're going to vote people in that we agree with. You say, how come we got all these? Oh, Jesus, help me. Here we go. Say, how come do we have all of these ungodly politicians? Why is abortion still legal in America? Why do we dishonor the voices of little innocent babies that can't talk? I, I, I read something this morning. Did you know that the Democratic governor of Louisiana stood up for the heartbeat bill? Man. I was all down on the Democrats. Well, I still am a little bit. But the reason is, it's not because they're Democrats. Don't get me wrong. It's because we, that platform, because I read the, the platform, the Democratic platform, their issues are not, many of those issues are not in line with the Word of God. And I'm going to say this. Republicans have become some Republicans <laughs> have become mealy mouth, mild mannered men that meekly meet and methodically minister. <laughs> Don't you be going into Ukraine now. What we need is mountain moving men who masterfully mends the messed up minds of mankind. That's what we need. Well, I, you say, I, I probably made some people mad here. <laughs> but, but this isn't about politics. Please don't misunderstand me. This is about morality. It's about God putting his blessing on America. And there's Democrats and Republicans that have decided to go along with immoral, immoral things. But we must rise up as a church and vote in to the best of our abilities people who uphold biblical standards of the word of God. I tell people all the time, I'm not, I'm not running for anything or from anything. So in, in Ezekiel chapter 22, it describes the disobedience of Israel that, remains, that reminds me of much of what we see today in our culture. It describes five kinds of people. If you read it, you might want to write that down. Ezekiel chapter 22 is really an interesting chapter. Uh, here is a, it's five Ps. The Lord calls out the princes the politicians, the prophets, the priests or pastors, and the people for turning from the Lord and allowing the shedding of innocent blood in the land, allowing corruption and unrighteousness to prevail instead of valuing the glory that really belongs to God and the presence of God which brings that we bring wherever we go in the world today. Many overlooking what's going on around them for personal preference and profit. Why do we do what we do? So Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says, The Lord says, So I sought a man among them 
who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me. Someone who would protect my word. Someone who would stand up for my word. Someone who would not be intimidated or manipulated and controlled by other people who are against the word of God. But we will stand up for the word. And let me tell you something. If we don't know the word, how can we stand up for the word? Because we don't really know it. We must know as ministers. You're a minister. Couple amens there. I said, I said, you're a minister. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to stand up and bring influence. And you have the authority. You have the authority to vote. You have the authority to get down on your knees and get in the presence of God and say, God, use me for your kingdom. We used to sing an old song. It says, to be used of God, to sing, to speak, to pray, to be used of God, to show someone the way. I long so much to feel the touch of his consuming fire. To be used of God is my desire. That's really who we are. We are here to be used of God. We can't become like Hophni and Phinehas or have the apathy of Eli. We must sing the song from our heart, God, use me. Hophni and Phinehas, their attitude was, I'm going to use God. And the influence that God has given me, I'm going to use it for my glory instead of for God's glory. And when they use it for their glory, the glory of God departed. Ichabod, there's between four and 6,000 churches that close every year in America. And you value the presence of God, you're going to show up for church. You're going to watch online. You're going to be who God's called you to be. Rise up and get up. And, and you're going to commit yourself through baptism because it's the journey and it's the process that brings value to the kingdom of God. And you say, God, I give you the glory. To God be the glory for the things he has done. I got a lot of notes here. Many of our politicians and princes are corrupt, our prophets and priests and some pastors lack moral clarity. The people are drowning in the sea of sinfulness, wickedness, perversion, attempting to redefine marriage, redefine God's word, redefine critical race theory, sexual perversion, apathy to the presence of God I just have I think the church needs to be prepared is there anybody here that you, you don't really like to be surprised it's, it's like some of y'all like I kind of like a surprise but Darla doesn't like a surprise I mean it's just like it scares her there's a lot of things in our world 
that can surprise us. But when we rise up and we're prepared, nothing should really surprise us when we have the presence of God in our lives. It's not a time for us as the church to stick our head in the sand. But we need to be ready. Jesus said that. He said two, two words. He said, be ready. Be ready to give a word for the hope that lies within you. Be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that you think not. You remember Noah, right? He told, he preached and preached and preached. God told him to build an ark. He built an ark. It saved his family. It saved all the animals that they brought in the ark. And, and it tells us, it, it's, a, it's a word picture for us to be ready when God brings his judgment on our world. It's not going to be for those who are in the ark. Not a lot of people preach about Jesus coming anymore. Not a lot of people preach about hell. They're just, that's because they don't want to know about hell. But let me tell you something. Hell was not prepared for, for people. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But the Bible says because of the sin of many, hell hath enlarged itself. I don't want to go there, right? I'm not saying I got it all figured out. I'm not telling you today. Please understand this. I'm not telling you I have all the answers. I'm telling you Jesus has all the answers. And we need Jesus in a desperate way. We went to man camp. I got sermon notes. I'm going to preach to you for a second. We went, went to man camp. We had man camp this past, uh, this past week, and it was cold. Uh, Jonathan got baptized. Stand up, Jonathan. In cold water, in a lake, and it was freezing. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going to. I'm, I've already, I've already stuck my head out. My daddy told me a turtle don't get anywhere until he sticks his head out. We, we, I preached about uh, circumcision. <laughs> Some of us have excess in our life that needs to get cut out. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, thank you. <laughs> but I asked my wife before I left for main camp. How many, how many husbands here, you'll say, your wife is really honest with you. Raise your hand. It, it made me feel better. But my wife's it's really good. It, it's good to have an honest wife. But I asked her, I said, I said, uh, is there anything in my life that, that you would say needs to be cut out? Cut off. And she said, well, I can... I think about three things. I said, I just wanted one. Because <laughs> see, it's easy to talk about the people in Washington. It's easy to talk about our president or our vice president. It's easy to talk about people. But let me tell you something. Unless we get it right as individuals, we can't help them to get it right. Unless the church gets it right. And what my wife told me, I am so embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to. 
She said, well, the first thing is that uh, you're, you're pretty selfish. See, y'all don't see any of that because you see all this. You're like, he's so perfect. <laughs> no, I am not perfect. She said, selfishness. Then she said, negativity. How many grew up in a family that's pretty negative? You just, that, that, we got five honest people here. <laughs> right. Man, I'm glad y'all are here in church. It's a good thing. She said, selfishness. Got any selfish people? Raise your hand if you're selfish. I think most everybody should raise their hand. Man, I must be preaching the right sermon this morning. And the third thing she said was, I have a lot of pride. I just wanted one. <laughs> But see, if, if, if Eli would have disciplined his, his boys, they would have been better men. Amen. Apathy or just going along with things isn't always the way. We, gotta, we need to go along with some things, but it needs to be the things that God's planned for us to go along with. But if, if Eli wouldn't have been so apathetical, Hophni and Phinehas would have stood up and they'd have been good leaders for the nation. We must... God helps somebody if they don't have somebody in their life to be honest with. Everybody needs somebody to hold them accountable. That's why we have church. It's like we need help. And see, the pride in it says, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then the selfish side of it says, I want what I want. And that's, that's our nation has gone way past that pendulum to the point. I deserve what I want. And I'm entitled to what I want. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are not entitled to eternal life. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God loved us so much that he gave his own love made the difference. And if there's anything that's going to make a difference, and I hope you take this from this message this morning, we don't want the presence of God to leave this place. I don't want the presence of God to leave this place. Y'all with me? I know y'all are. I don't want to put Ichabod on the door and shut it down. I do want some of y'all to come to the 11.30 service and the Monday night service, though. Just saying. But the peace of God, isn't that why you came to church? 
to fight for the peace of God, to, to know that the value that God brings to us. Jesus said, I am your peace. In the middle of war-torn Ukraine, and the godlessness of the leader in Russia, we can have peace in the middle of the storm. And it has no connection with, your, with the stock market. It has no connection with what anybody does because we can be going through a storm on the outside and still have peace on the inside. That's why we come to church. And my challenge to you today is if you got to fight a battle in your life to have peace, don't let the sin in your life take a hold and run your life to the point where you don't have no peace. Because Jesus wants you to have peace. He wants America to have peace. He wants our world to have peace. But it doesn't come through all of these distractions that the devil has caused our nation to buy into. It comes from serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who was and is and will always be. His name is Jesus, and that's why we have church. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your people. I pray, oh God, today that you're word would live and reside inside of us. We lift up the leaders of our nation. We pray, oh God, that your peace, oh God, would, would run into them, oh God, and they would have an encounter with you. We pray, Lord, for our, our, our people in the Ukraine. I pray that you would help them and, and bring about victory, Lord Jesus, so, as you did for Israel. Lord, we pray for our missionaries in Ukraine, oh God, that you would keep them safe, oh God. For our missionaries all around the world that are lifting up your name, that, that value the running to God and the, the filling up and keeping the lamp of God burning bright. I pray, oh God, that you'd help them. Help us in Montgomery County. Help everybody that's watching it online, wherever they are, Lord, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and that the influence that you have blessed them with, that they will use it for your kingdom and for your glory, for your power, because you deserve the glory and the power. I pray, oh God, that you would help us today just to take a deep breath and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God and we give you glory for it and we worship you because you're worthy. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, maybe if you have and you just really haven't been living for him, the greatest privilege that God has given to man because God has authority over man is the privilege of coming into his presence. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I'll come in and be with them. There's only one name given under heaven whereby man must be saved. His name is Jesus. Why is Jesus? It's because he overcame death. He overcame the grave. He overcame hell. And he has authority over those things. And if we accept him as his personal savior, he has given us the privilege of living in his presence as we walk through life, but also the residual blessing of being able to spend eternity with him in heaven. 
If you've never accepted him as your personal savior, that's the first step. That's the first step in finding peace in your life and finding an eternal destination that God has provided for you. You've never accepted him. Maybe you have. You just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. Yep, leave your hand up. We're going to put a Bible in your hand. Yep, thank you. Yep, back in the back. Thank you. Leave your hands up till we get a Bible in it. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Don't let this moment pass. It's the greatest gift that you will ever have. And it's not like those, those uh, commercials on late night TV. It doesn't cost you anything. Jesus already paid the paid the price. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Raise your hand up high. Leave it up till we get a Bible in it. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody? If you raise your hands, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? If you raise your hand, come on up. Yep, thank you, buddy. Yep, come on. Back in the back. I'm proud of you all. Ah. Bless you. I'm so proud of you. Bless you. I'm proud of you. Man, it's good. It's the right thing. Yep, come on. Bless you, buddy. I'm proud of you. You did the right thing. You're a smart man. Anybody else? It's not the bar, but it's the last call today. (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? Look here. Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised you from the dead, we'll be saved. This isn't about just walking down the aisle and saying a prayer. It's about a life and a lifestyle. You won't be perfect when you walk out of here. You'll have the same problems. I'm going to tell you something. You'll have help. Know how to navigate those problems. Have wisdom through those problems. But you got to ask for it. That's where prayer comes in. He said he'd not ever leave you, not ever forsake him. He'd never, not ever forsake you. Don't you leave him and forsake him. He'll stay with you forever. And I pray with you. Just repeat after me. Y'all help us. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus thank you for loving me. Thank you for, loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ah, Beautiful. Bless you, my friend. I'm so proud of you. Go visit these guys for just a second. Love you, baby. Bless you, my friend. How cool is that? Take that, devil. Y'all stand with me. Don't you know the devil hates this place? He's like, man, I hate them. And all the angels in heaven, they're going... Goodness. You know, everything in our lives stems from our habits and from our attitude. You're you're a product of your habits. You know, like what you did today. This is a habit. It's a good habit. 
our attitude as we walk through life, it, I, I've been, I'm just telling you, our attitude is everything. And I've been convicted since Darla told me, and I, I've known that I've been negative about things. And I don't like that enemy. Is there anybody here that has something in you that you don't like, that you'd like to get it cut out of your life? I think we're all in agreement there. Let's just all raise your hands. I'd like to pray for you. We're going to have our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, prayer for healing, whatever you need, our prayer team's going to be here for you. But I want to pray for you. Lord, we lift everybody up to you, Lord, here today, everybody watching online. I pray, oh God, that you would minister, Lord, to us, that we would surrender our will to your will. And we pray, oh God, that you would just minister to each one of us as individuals. Help us, Lord, to keep the oil of the Holy Spirit uh, running through our lives as we read your scriptures. We spend special time in prayer every day as we attend church. And Lord, as we look for other people that we can bless, that we know that that helps the Holy Spirit to rise up and helps us to be filled. So Lord, for the relationship we have with you, oh God, we are grateful and we give you the glory and we give you honor. We give you praise. And we thank you, Lord, that you have showed up this morning. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you all. We love you.